thank you so much for spending this half hour with us. It's been really great. I hope that people learn more about the HAP Center and what, what you guys are doing. And I think the takeaway for me today was from a, a business uh, aspect or perspective, it's really about being flexible. And I think it's a great theme because of COVID. We've all had to be flexible whether we were comfortable or not, right? Exactly, yeah. Be adaptable, be flexible, go with the flow, whatever you want to call I say flexible because we do have that martial arts program. Right. All <laughs> unrelated, they're all working on their flexibility. But yeah, just go with the flow, see where your business develops, be willing to adjust. It's great to set a plan, a one-year plan, three-year, five, etc they're great but doesn't always go that way or probably never goes that way so be willing to to take the bumps in the road and uh you know and and take it in a different direction when you need to welcome to the dadpreneur podcast i'm your host alex Oliveira, and today i have a good friend of mine on the show nonprofit leader director ceo bob duraco bob welcome to the podcast Oh, Alex, absolutely thrilled to be here. You know, I've known you for a few years. Putting aside this podcast, I really want to thank you, one, for having us, including the Hab Center and what you do, but we've run into you around town at Jim Moran, teaching classes for the Entrepreneur Program, FAU, et cetera. So you do so much for us, for the community. I, I'm really thrilled to be with you, and thanks so much for doing all the other things you do. No, likewise, and it's it's fun to do the podcast that I, you know, as, I, as you know, I interview business leaders, entrepreneurs, but when I get the opportunity to actually interview someone that I've spent a lot of time with, in your case, in the board, not only outside of the boardroom, but in the boardroom watching you in action over the years has been really one of the great honors of my career, you know, really a handful of nonprofits that I've worked with that just, I would say in the beginning, uh, I told my wife, didn't know that I was going to grow so much from being involved in those right, endeavors, yeah. but I grew and got as much as I gave. And so any opportunity that I get to talk to CEOs, entrepreneurs and say, Hey, when you get the opportunity and your business is growing and you can walk, like step aside a little bit, go spend time with a nonprofit, whether it's just volunteering or in a committee or in my case, in the boardrooms, because you really do grow, right? Sure. So, so tell us about your background, Bob. I know there's a lot of accounting and finance there. Well, well me personally, yeah. <laughs> a little different route uh, from possibly other CEOs of uh, nonprofit. I actually, CPA, my, my early years were spent at Price Waterhouse at a fairly high level of accounting. And as you talk about being in boardrooms with, you know, with the uh, chairman of the Price Waterhouse Policy Committee and the president of IBM, uh, it, was, it was a great, great place to be, learned a lot. But my true efforts, I grew up, you know, rather meager existence. Uh, and, and so I had a real high level experience. I was looking for something else. And this opportunity popped up. But And, and I was drawn to the mission, what we serve, what we do, the, the people we take care of is really what it boils down to. I had my own family to raise. I had four children at the time that I started here. And it was just an opportunity to give back to others, to spend more time with my family as I was looking at other uh, options that, quite honestly, may be a little bit more lucrative than this. Um, but it involved travel, time away from the family. And this really was my priority, was to help my own family as well as the people I serve here. So that's what drew me here and our mission 
to help people with adult, adults with disabilities, give them skills, job training skills, educational skills, and lots of fun in between to make their lives better. And I think we have that in common, Bob, too. You know, that I have four kids, too, and it was the same for me. Owning my own business was a way to gain back that time than working for corporate, which those are great experiences as well, and you grow there as well. But being able to spend the most time with them as they're growing up was really my purpose for starting my own business. And like you said, it may not be as lucrative sometimes and so much more weight on your back. Um, it, it's much more enjoyable, right? Definitely a rewarding place to be. And what in particular fascinated me about the HAB Center, uh, putting aside our mission as we talk about entrepreneurship and that we actually, we're a job, job training program for people with disabilities, but we do job training through two very unique, distinct businesses. Uh, we have, we are one of the larger plant nurseries in Palm Beach County uh, in terms of uh, small bedding plants. Our, ap our applications, our installations are all over town. You see us at, at Boca West and Boca Point and City of Boca Raton, Delray. We go for all the way down from Miami up to uh, Jupiter, our plant and our plant sales. So that's a very unique business. Our other operation that we run, and sometimes you, you hear the for-profit side of me coming out because, uh, because of the businesses we run, but our other unique businesses is a contract manufacturing enterprise. Uh, in that operation, we actually have ISO certifications, and I'm, I realize a lot of people don't understand these terminologies, but it's sure. fascinating to me. ISO certification, we have AS9100 RevD, which certifies us to work in aerospace and defense industries, and people don't think of a small not-for-profit having the capabilities to produce products that go into airplanes, that people's lives depend on some of the products that we produce here. So that was uh, another driving factor for me coming here. I, I've been able to put this whole package together where it's an educational experience for people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. We're able to teach them, train them, work with them, develop their skill sets, and and bring them to a, to a new place they've never been. Um, unfortunately, uh, about 95% of our population lives below the poverty level, uh, about 80% are abused and neglected, and that doesn't get seen all the time. Uh, a lot of people feel that, uh, that our people, they have good loving families at home, and that's certainly the case. We have many people that come from good homes, strong backgrounds, and, and they're here for a reason. But we also have individuals that uh, have been terribly abused and neglected. You've seen their stories on news. Uh, one young gentleman spent the first four years of his life in a, in a dog cage, believe it or not. His primary language is barking. And when you, you hear these, these stories, it just makes your, you know, your blood curl that this goes on in the world. And maybe it was newsworthy years ago, but at this point, when they're 30 years old, they don't get the attention from our, from our society that they should. And that's why I'm able to give back to... Uh, thrilled to be able to give back to to this community, to the people that we serve, and give them a life, bring joy to them. The the best part about my job, and many good things, as as I talk about the business and making it work from a financial standpoint, 
It's going down the hall. And well, pre-COVID, getting high fives and hugs from everybody, obviously, that's a whole nother story is the effect of COVID on us in the last year, year and a half. Um, But uh, just the the reaction from people and seeing the joy and knowing that many of them that came in and they live in their own little shell because of the way they were treated all their lives and to see them open up and have friends and, and then many of them get a job out in the community. They... We, we have a lot of good supporters in the community, uh, the public's employees, our so, population. So, Bob, is that is that the goal? When they come into the HAB Center, into the program, because you can only serve so many, right? Right, right? So talk to me about the numbers that you serve, but also when they come in, how long do they typically stay in the program? And then what do they do from there? Sure. We... We don't have, people like to equate us to a school. There is a program that they go through. But really what dictates our service delivery system is the unique abilities of the people that we serve. So we have a manufacturing operation and some of the, many of those people will go out and get jobs in the community. But we work with individuals with lower skill sets. So some of them we're just working on the social behavioral skills. Uh, other people, it might be very complicated um, manufacturing process, soldering a, uh, a printed circuit board. Uh, Governor Scott came in in uh, 2016. Governor Scott came and visited us and uh, was totally blown away by the products he saw. We do the light beacons on safety vests and airplanes, the uh, GPS unit for uh, flotation devices sure. for boats. And when he saw this population uh, performing these jobs, he actually invited us back in uh, to open the uh, 2017 legislative session, he, we got a call a few months before and said, hey, can you come up here to Tallahassee? I want to talk about you in the state of the state address. So he thrilled to go up there and he recognized us, our teaching, our training programs, and in, his, in the challenge to diversify the Florida economy away from the, the cores of agriculture and tourism uh, develop manufacturing when he saw us doing these high-level products. He was just so blown away, and his, the challenge to the House and Senate was to replicate the model of the Hab Center. So, you know how how amazing is that for a small agency? It's like, true, like and, that? And, and it's a it's not as far as like the program. I know other regions, not only in the state but around the country, have similar programs. But your particular mission here, what you guys are doing and how you serve them to me is very unique. First of all, paint the picture for me of the property itself, because it's really like an oasis. I, I really okay. believe that. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. You know, I take it for granted. I, I drive in every day, and, and but yes, we have about a 12-acre campus. Uh, as you come through, as I said, we're, we're one of the larger bedding plant nurseries in the, in the county, so as you come through, you see lush landscaping, very tropical in nature. Uh, we have a five-acre plant nursery in the back of the facility, so there's rows and rows, five acres of of beautiful bedding plants that end up being, you know, a golf course country, the, the uh, streets around our cities and that. Uh, so that's on the outside. Then you come in and you see we've broken the 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 building up into different sections, and we have pe- we have cl- more typical classroom type settings where it's more educational training, life skills develop. You know, some of the there's no one track for people in our program. Some people do go out in the community and get jobs, and that's our ultimate mission. The ones that we can train to get out there, interact with the public properly, 
and, and do a job to get them out. So unlike most employers who want to retain their best people, we actually, as, as much of the burden it puts on us, we want to get them out and, and working and, and serving everybody out there. But there's others that really do work just on the uh, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, basic reading, writing. We have all those programs available. Uh, one of the things that goes unnoticed with the people we serve, putting aside their physical or intellectual disabilities, um, they deal with a lot of mental health issues, especially they talk about abuse, neglect. We have individuals suffering from PTSD. Uh, one person we serve spent her early years in a, in a cult-like setting where she was kind of passed around uh, to the elders. So that goes on. You know, that's happened in some of the people's lives. And there are multiple horror stories. So we work with them. We have a, a great social services team with uh, behaviorists and and counselors and, and therapists, and, and uh, we really work on the whole individual. So what makes them successful, maybe they'll be doing some work skills, but that's not really what they need to be happy and successful in life. They need to overcome some of the troubles of their past, and we, we put a lot into that aspect of their development. So we have a men's group and women's group and couples counseling and anger management, grievance, and and anything else that individuals need. And it's not a steady track of progress like in a school. You, you know, you're in algebra class and this, ta you know, you go from chapter to chapter, move through. There are setbacks people have in, in their lives. Things go on. So maybe they've kind of overcome th some things and, and life takes a, a bad turn for, for them for whatever reason. So we work on those issues as well. So while we like to increase work skills, we're really the biggest thing is to have individuals progress from an emotional standpoint in dealing with the daily stresses of, of, of life and living. And um, it's not an even path, but we, we work on that actually probably more than for many of the people we, we work with. Uh, we work on the softer skills more than the actual physical skills they get here. But all is available, so we, we have everything going on. I think of like the transition too, once they leave here, because they're in this place where all the programs you guys have right, are catered right. for them. And even when I think of going through the manufacturing center facility here, and they're assembling different parts, welding, as you said, you know, tightening a screw on a specific um, uh, product that you guys are building. Um, you're not pushing them, right, for that type of productivity first. No. But in the real world, right. employers do. Right. We, you know, we try and raise the bar as we move forward. So we have to produce product, get it out, ship it. We really don't put those stresses and strains. We have a highly skilled staff to, to do those things. We will supplement. Helps manage that, them. that helps manage. We're required by the state uh, to have a 10 to 1 ratio, uh, our ratio, or you know, uh, staff to clients. We have about three staff for Two each person wow. we serve. So there's tremendous amount of support here and, uh, but also, if production gets behind, we have staff deal with that. We don't put those stresses. But to answer your question, uh, we have a supported employment program. So when they do go out there, there's somebody that follows them around. So on the new job with the employer and get to know what's the manager like and, and try and serve. I, I don't want to say as, a, as an interpreter, a go-between between the person that we've placed and the management of the organization to get them acclimated. 
Another problem we have, not, not that we have, but these individuals have, is acceptance. Uh, they don't always feel like they fit in, and their coworkers, even if they're well-meaning coworkers, they don't know how to speak to them, they don't know how to speak to our population, and what I tell people is, we're all just people. I mean, I have my unique abilities and disabilities. Alex, is yeah. as perfect a man as you are, you've got no, your own unique sure. abilities and disabilities, but sometimes when when somebody looks a little bit different, uh, we find that their coworkers don't always know how to relate to them or or um, interact with them. So we work on everybody. It's really a team approach to get our people to be successful. Yeah, and I think, you know, mental illness in general or uh, abilities or or um, difficulties, there are a lot of different names to describe the population, right. you know. Um, I think you're right. It's no different than that, Bob. I work with a few immigrant groups, you know, who who have helped, you know, people who are in detention centers, you know, uh, who've been here in the U.S. for a long time, right, but the right, paperwork right, right. didn't work and whatnot. And you talk to those people and see how they're treated differently, you know, when they come to America. In the feeling that they get is one of a disability, right? Either I don't speak the language perfectly, I don't have a degree, exactly. the color of my skin. It's just being different. And I think in this world, I guess to your point is the people who consider themselves normal don't take the time. And I, I honestly have to say for myself, I mean, I was an immigrant, so I always, I you know felt I was different sure. to begin with here in America. Well, it wasn't until later that I felt accepted, but, um, I would say my mom, my dad, they, they, they taught me to be, you know, mindful of people being different, you know, and I don't think that in the world that we live in, most people are taught. That. And so if you take that to the employer level, what what could employers do to sort of level the playing field and not teach their their workers how to be more empathetic, but like what could they really do in that case where you bring a client that came from the HAP Center and is there, has a liaison, the manager knows, is the manager doing anything? A, a lot of a lot of employers are. You know, we were over at the Boca Regional Hospital um, a month or so ago. They had an inclusion. So a lot of the inclusion groups that, okay. that are working with other populations are now adding disabilities. So I'm thrilled to see that. And as say Baptist Health over there in Boca, uh, they're doing it. A lot of the other employers, as they recognize the inclusion programs and groups that should be in there, they are including disabilities in there. And we, we all have to understand we're just other people. So it's not how do I approve that person? You don't say, well, I have, well, I was going to say black hair. I have gray hair. How do you employ, you know, how do you approach somebody with gray sure. hair or red hair? You know, it's no different. It's a person. Yeah. Find a commonality. And, and one of the things that we do here uh, to foster inclusion, um, you know, we have yoga and Pilates and karate. dance. I've Kara seen oh, the karate. karate. Oh, that's the big day. And unfortunately yeah. with COVID, because yeah. of the close interaction, we've had a, you know, uh, that's been put on hold, but we're anxious to, everybody's anxious to get that one going again. And, and you always so would all, tell me that when you guys have holidays, right? When you, you close for like Christmas break, that it just breaks right. their heart. Right. Everybody wants to be here every day. There is so much going on here. So these all helping help with the whole inclusion mission. You know, when, uh, back when, when I went to school, back in the, you know, many, many years ago, we had programs, special ed programs, they were called back in the day, but it wasn't inclusive. So some of the older people that we serve, 
they went to a segregated school where, in effect, they were put, I know in the grade school I went to, actually there was a somebody who was in our, um, the same grade school I went to in New York, there was somebody uh, that we ended up serving here, I never knew it, but she was in our special ed program, but we had a different start time, a different end time, different breaks, different recess, there was, there was complete segregation. And that has changed, but some of our older people realize that, you know, they're different. They basically were taught to be different. So we overcome those barriers and introduce them. And that's where, you know, the social skills, especially uh, for people who grew up in that age, you know, they might not be there. They look at themselves, well, I'm not supposed to talk with that person. So some of our clients have had that preconceived notion that they don't fit in. So that's why when we have tours and you've been a bunch of tours, they come over and, you know, talk to you and we have greeters that come and we have social, you know, so people on our, those we serve on different committees and groups and they're in the manufacturing group or this. So all of that's going on. So now they don't get the sense of feeling and uh, that they're different or that they don't belong speaking with. So that's one of the things we really stress is, you know, you're a person and if you see somebody, you don't know they who they are. Sometimes I'll have it. It doesn't happen often, but I'll have a, a, a client that we serve. To, oh, Bob, who's that person you are? I said, ask them. You know, right. I don't need to ask for you. Sure. I don't. So we, we teach that. And it's one of the more important things we do. And it also breaks the barrier because people come here. If they're not familiar with the population, haven't worked with it, and outsiders do come in, uh, they don't always not everybody knows how to approach us. So how would you approach somebody? You're in the line of publics. If your eyes were closed, how would you approach the person? There's another human being there that's next right. to you. What would That's all we do with, with our people. And uh, the disabilities really dis- disappear once, once you're here. And I, I've been here now. Actually, tomorrow is my 24th anniversary, hey, believe it or hey, not. Wow, well, happy anniversary. That's a long <laughs> so time. My, yeah, it's like actually, a quarter century, Bob. Yeah, getting right around the corner, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it happens to be tomorrow. Somebody that's, brought it to my attention. Something told me, hey, do you know tomorrow's your anniversary day? I knew it was in July. Anyway. Wow. Uh, no, you're good. I, <laughs> no, so so let, let's let shift gears. And, you know, our listeners are, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, first stage, second stage. Sure. And people who really want to figure out, like, look, for me to go on this journey and build my business or build my nonprofit, I even have entrepreneurs who are more socially conscious. They're building business models that are like buy one, give one, kind of like Tom's, and really just conscious of I want to grow my business, my organization, but I want to give back to my community for the cause that I love. So I've been around nonprofits for two decades, and I see all the challenges that the the different stakeholders from the director to the CEO to the staff to the board members, the volunteers, there's all it takes literally a community to make it happen. But what are some of the challenges that you think would resonate with an entrepreneur? Well, obviously, we know the numbers. You guys are doing business with manufacturing, with companies. You have to bring in that money one way or another, whether it's events, fundraisers. So, what advice do you give to businesses who are? Wanting to grow their business, Bob. You know, we are extremely flexible in what we do. I tell my staff all the time, let me know an area you want to go into. For example, our plant nursery. We've always sold plant materials. We consider doing some of the hard goods, you know, pots, you know, decorative pots. I do bamboo whim chimes. If I felt that it was lettuce, right? We were doing a hydroponics program. So be flexible with what you do. Of course, you have to set up 
a mission and a goal and what you're trying to achieve, but things come away. Always be aware of what's going on in the in the community, what needs they are, whatever business you're in. Maybe you're not exactly fitting the needs with what you're doing. Be willing to adapt and and tell yourself to what the customer wants. That's what we've done in the plant nursery in manufacturing. Here it's more challenging because while we are a small business overall, we're actually running three separate small businesses. I mean, they're all under one umbrella and considered one, but a plant nursery manufacturing facility and a job training facility for people with disabilities are three very distinct uh, businesses. So we have to reach and look and see what can we do in each area to grow? We we set our goals, we try and get them, but I really keep going out there looking, look for different avenues to market your product, to be flexible with what products you put out there, even in terms of the um, the client service. You say, well, there's really no flexibility, but there is. As I talk about martial arts to, to go, there aren't a lot of places that do martial arts or the yoga, the Pilates. So we're offering something that, Others don't. So find little niches that you can capitalize on, that you can offer a product or a service that somebody else isn't doing, and and try and turn it into a revenue stream. So there, there's going to be the core that you started. You want to develop these products or this business or this service, but you have to be flexible to look for a different area that might be similar or different, but it's something that you can you can transition to from from the business model you're operating. Be flexible. That's, yeah, definitely the life of any entrepreneur. You And I think you're right because some entrepreneurs, you know, I mentor entrepreneurs. I'm mentoring one right now in Romania. And that's one of the, I use the word adapt, you know. Right. But same thing as flexible. Really, you know that it's not going to be a straight line. And you have exactly. to be ready to move with it because if you give up because it's not what you thought it was going to be, well, you shouldn't even be in leadership, period, because that is leadership, Right. But talk to me, uh, Bob, an, about another area of the organization that is so important, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, which is staffing. I've always gotten the fe feeling here at the Hab Center that when you walk around and you talk to the staff, they are truly, truly passionate about the, the work they're doing. They're smiling, which you don't see that every day, right? Right. Yes, yeah, staffing, like everybody, especially now, people are struggling for staffing. So we've been very fortunate uh, when we hire, and think of the unique skill sets, I have engineers in manufacturing, I have an accounting department like everybody else, we have a CPA, CFO, um, plant nursery, we have a nursery business, I have a horticulturist on staff, I have somebody who's done community gardens around the world, so it's tough, we have so many different skill sets that we require here, but one of the biggest things that actually makes it harder for us to bring these people on we have to find people that have those skills that also have the love and compassion for the population we serve. And in some, when you really think about it, as I talk about having an engineer or multiple engineers on staff, the skill sets that lead you to that, the, the lineal thinking, uh, problem solving, et cetera, it doesn't always lend to having the compassion, but we're, we're, we find them. And you know what? The, the ones that we find are just thrilled because like myself, enjoy the softer skills of their job. And that's why we've been able to get such a dedicated staff that's willing to serve the population. They've been in other, in other environments um, that didn't have the, the love and compassion and this feeling of, of home or family. And we're able to, to grab those people and they love to stay here. For sure. 
I think another area that I've seen nonprofits in general um, be able to grow consistently, sustainably, are really the, the areas of strategic partnerships. When I look at the nonprofits who succeed in that, they usually are doing outreach. And I've seen your growth getting out in the community, making those partnerships. And really, again, that applies to a for-profit business, Bob, right? Relationships is huge. And you can't always think of growing your organization just based on a number, like meaning for a for-profit business, sell, sell, sell. So you got to have a sales team to sell, but you got to have business development. People or the leaders themselves go out there and form partnerships that you sometimes you don't know where it's going to go. So Talk to me about some of the partnerships you guys have built. Oh, yeah, that you've, that's key, um, Alex. I really do focus on the partnership, the relationship first. And when I developed, I'm not always looking at what they do, or where they go. It's like, where will this lead? I have somebody that has an interest. And again, we're out there. We're very active with South Florida Manufacturers Association for the manufacturing community. We, we actually won, I'm not even sure if you're aware, Manufacturer of the Year Award I do, yeah, in, I in 2019. And we also won from Governor, I mentioned Governor Scott, Governor DeSantis awarded the Sterling Award um, two years ago, just Congrats. before COVID. So that's an outreach method. But I look for people uh, and, and businesses who have a, a common goal, whether it be manufacturing, nursery, or just human services. And I go out, I look for a means to get in front of them, speak to them, sometimes solicited and sometimes not. I, I mean, I'll send out random emails about what we do, see if they have an interest in getting together. Uh, I join different organizations. I'm active in the chamber. You saw we run into Jim Moran. They, they're a great supporter of ours. The Bachelor Foundation. There, there are multiple people that that we've been able to engage with, and it's finding people that want to work with us in in any any way, shape, or form. But especially for an entrepreneur, get out there, be seen, be known. And keep, as I mentioned before, flexibility, be willing to adapt. If you see something that might work, say, well, maybe I need to change what I was doing to get that yeah. because that's working now and mine might have to go on hold. So it's a combination of developing the relationships and then being willing to modify your business model a little bit to make that relationship work if it looks like it's going to go in a better direction for you. Well, for a finance guy, really, and, and a nonprofit leader, you, you you would think that you've been trained on advertising because you truly understand the the importance of awareness for your business, right? And it's not like you have a big marketing department here, but you guys as a team understand that you need to be out there creating awareness. And I think even more important, Bob, is the fact that you create those relationships without any expectation other than hey, you know who I am, you know what my mission is, what, where do you want to go from here? And I've seen you also engage these organizations and say, what can we do with you or for you? Which I think is amazing because again, in, in a lot of businesses, every day it's, it's about selling, selling. And I always try to explain to businesses that marketing happens all the way back here. First, they have to have an interest in your product or service, Right in your story. Right. And and then once they buy into that, it's like all the great brands, all the great brands, I'm not going to mention any, so I don't sound like I'm selling any of them, but they understand that they're selling a story and they're, they're telling the story of their people, their product, how they're solving the world's problems. Right. And then they leave it to the person. If, if they align with them, they're going to come back. 
And I think you've done that in an amazing way. So thank you. Good, thank good you. work. So Bob, tell us, I know you guys ha used to have the um, Bloom Fest. Are you having yeah, it this year? We did not have it this year because of COVID. It's typically in April and it's centered around uh, the plant nursery. It looks beautiful back then. It's yeah. just at the start of the uh, the spring growing season. So we didn't have it this year. We were we were back and forth. But it's already on, and it will be in April of 2022 is the return of Bloomfest. So nice. mark your calendars. <laughs> uh, looking for it to be better, you know, better than ever. So that that's our signature event. We're going to be doing other things throughout the year to to reach out and engage with people. Sure. Uh, we we have a lot of relationships with a lot of people, and uh, you know, we we also want to do thank yous for people who who've been around us, you know, a little, a few little dinners now we're yeah. starting to plan. So all these are, and, and Alex, I'll fill you in. Don't worry. You'll be on the guest <laughs> list. So I don't feel like you're going to miss out on anything, but we're just starting to talk about that. We've been, because of the population we serve, we're on uh, tighter restrictions um, sure. than, than a lot of, than a lot of businesses are uh, because of the population we have to serve. Many of them, aside from the intellectual disabilities, have concurrent physical disabilities. So, uh, we really have to go out of the way to protect them, but it's starting to open up and we're, we're thrilled to be getting back to normal here. Awesome. Well, I'm a big fan of Bob, big fan of the HAB Center in general. I mean, everyone around here, every time I come in, it really does feel like a special place. And um, tell us the best, if, if someone is interested in making a donation or, or learning more about the organization, where do they go, Bob? Well, look us at habcenter.org. So we're in Boca Raton. So you'll see our website. That's probably the first place to go. Uh, but yeah, we're right on Boca Rio. We are open to the public. While we're located in Palm Beach, actually about 40% of the people we serve uh, come from Broward County because they're right over the county mm -hmm. line. So if there's any way you want to connect with us, look us up. I'm Bob DeRocco. Look my name up. You'll see me a bunch of things online and welcome anybody to come in. And, and please, when I engage with people, I, I make it clear we're here to serve this community. We want to have, you know, increase the skills and, and what we offer the population. Some people are just curious. I take visitors for any reason. Don't, I don't want anybody to ever feel that, you know, we're looking for somebody. If they come here or an engagement week with me, I do outreach with the Rotary Club or whatever just to just to educate people about our population. If you're curious, how does a center work? You just want to know. I'm not going to hand you a donation envelope. <laughs> I don't expect anything in return. All, all, all we look for around here is to uh, engage with us. Um, bring some, put a smile on the face of somebody you serve. And you made my day. The, don't, the, the tour was worthwhile. That's it's right. Somebody smile when you come through. I've, I've been on those tours and you are just, uh, you're, you're always enthusiastic and you're, you could tell you're so proud of, all the work that you guys are doing here. So Bob, thank you so much for spending this half hour with us. It's been really great. I hope that people learn more about the HAP Center and what, what you guys are doing. And I think the takeaway for me today was from a, a business uh, aspect or perspective, it's really about being flexible. And I think it's a great theme because of COVID. We've all had to be flexible whether we were comfortable or not, right? Exactly, yeah. Be adaptable, be flexible, go with the flow, whatever you want to call I say flexible because we do have that martial arts program. Right. All <laughs> unrelated, they're all working on their flexibility. But yeah, just go with the flow, see where your business develops, be willing to adjust. It's great to set a plan, a one-year plan, three-year, five-year, et cetera. They're great, 
but doesn't always go that way or probably never goes that way. <laughs> so be willing to, to take the bumps in the road and, uh, you know, and, and take it in a different direction when you need to. Thank you again, Bob. Thank you, Alex. Really a pleasure. Thank you.